All right, let's move on to special K, ketamine. So most of us are well aware of its pain control capabilities in the hospital, but I see a lot of discussion about treatment for longer-term pain and arthritis and about preventing wind-up pain and all of that sort of stuff. How are you using it, Matt? Is it just a hospital drug for you, or, or what's the what are the newer indications for it? I think ketamine is a wonder drug. For quite a long time, I my use of ketamine in chronic pain was those really difficult cases where we do everything and we really struggle. And my approach with those was to get them into the hospital and give them a 24-hour infusion of ketamine. Okay. But more recently, I, well, I, no, actually, that's not true. Not more recently. <laughs> Over the past 10 years, I developed this use of half a meg per keg subcutaneously as required. And it's, again, it's one of those very anecdotal things, but I've had some really, really good success stories. So much so, I've got a dog. She's a seven-year-old Rottweiler with elbow osteoarthritis. She can't tolerate non steroidals. She's fine, fine, fine for about three weeks. She's really good on them, treats the pain, and then she gets hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. Mm. We switched her onto Grapiprant, which specifically targets the EP4 prostaglandin receptor. The theory being that we should get the pain relief associated with that, but we hopefully don't see those adverse GI effects that we see with non steroidals. But um, true to form, three weeks later, she then developed diarrhea three weeks after starting Grapiprant. So that wasn't a great option. And I've been talking to the owners for a while saying, well, if this doesn't work, let's give half a mig of ketamine subcutaneously and see what happens. And it made a real difference to her. The other thing I've been talking to owners about is this, there's a, a new monoclonal antibody against arthritis called Bedin Vetmab, and the trade name is Librella, which has just been licensed in Europe. So we've had it about six weeks here. I don't think it's been rolled out in the rest of the world yet. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking to the owner for a while. I've had, since I've been using it, I've used it in about 30 dogs, and I've had some fantastic results. And I phoned the owners and said, right, the drug's re- available now. Do you want to switch to it? And they actually said, no, we're really happy with how she's doing with, with the subcutaneous ketamine. So we're, we're really happy as we are. So for me, again, that's just more information to add to, I suppose, this is all clinical experience, that in some of those cases, subcutaneous ketamine does make a real difference. I like it. It's quick. It's easy. It's cheap. Um, Frequency-wise, I would recommend starting a frequency of about once a month and adapting that protocol according to to the individual response in that dog. And and I actually use it in cats as well, so it's a good one for cats. So once a month, and that's monotherapy? She's not on any other painkillers, or is that doing the job for her? She is also on, I want to say she's on gabapentin. Okay. Is definitely on something else. She's that's not the only analgesic she's on. No, so I tend to use this in those those dogs where uh, I mean it, it may well be dogs that are receiving non steroidals, but then you just need something else as well. So it, it's a component of multimodal therapy. Yes, and at that dose, I can't remember the the anaesthetic sort of doses off the top of my head. Is that uh, is there any of the 
seeing pink elephants, uh, euphoria, dysphoria, <laughs> whatever they get on that dose, or is it completely, is it below that, the, the euphoric dose, the psychedelic so dose? The, the anesthetic dose is three to five megs per keg. Okay. So we're talking a tenth of the anesthetic dose. So we're not expecting to see those effects. I think we're all familiar with using a ketamine infusion in the hospital over time. Sometimes those dogs and those cats may look a little bit ketamine-y. Yep. And I would either drop the rate in those cases or stop the infusion for an hour or two and restart at a lower rate. Um, I don't think we do see those those effects. I, I have had one owner that said, oh, yeah, he really enjoyed that. He was great the evening after you came. <laughs> um, and I, I've had quite a few owners that say that their, their pets sleep really well the evening after the ketamine injection. And hopefully that's probably not. I, I think it's really unlikely that that's a, an anesthetic effect of the ketamine. I think it's more like we've just dealt with that dog's pain. Mm. Um, really well and they can just go home and have a really good sleep it's interesting there's a lot of peripheral work i've heard about on other podcasts and stuff about the use of ketamine uh, for treatment of depression because it mm-hmm. affects all the serotonin drugs and all um, receptors and all those sort of things you do wonder if it if it does something for them emotionally as well as pain wise for the, for the dogs as well because if it does that i've heard of people say that they are really happy after microdosing ketamine. I think that's a really interesting comment. We we know how important emotion is in our individual interpretation of pain. We understand the influence of the limbic system, how that feeds directly into those higher centers to affect our pain processing and how the individual feels about pain. And in people, a lot of chronic pain management is addressing that that emotional influence and treating depression. You you may well have treated the pain to a degree. And in a lot of chronic pain states, we can do quite a good job of treating the pain, Mm -hmm. but we can't always suppress all the pain. Or that pain treatment brings adverse effects with it that people just have to live with. They accept, well, either I'm I'm comfortable or I have these adverse effects, like I feel a bit sleepy or a really dry mouth or something, and they can't go to work, they can't go to the gym, they can't do their normal things. This just builds up into this huge emotional mountain, and that needs to be treated. Yeah. I, I have had a few cases where, in conjunction with behaviorists, we talk about dealing with the pain and the emotional uh, challenges that come with that. So, I think it's a really important thing to address. But yeah, we don't understand right now how the ketamine is influencing that. But if, if it's making a difference from an emotional point of view, then that's fantastic. Yeah, bonus, absolutely. All right, Qu- questions, comments from everybody else. Katie, you said you guys are using it quite a bit. How are you using it and how are you finding it? Um, yeah, we've probably only this year we've kind of started jumping on the bandwagon. Um, the same dose are happening for kick subcut. I guess our biggest thing is, um, yeah, trying to figure out the frequency of, of when we should be doing it. Um, we're basically just going off the owners and, and how they are saying the dogs are going at this point in time. I, I've never done it in a cat. It's good to actually know that we can give that one a go. Um, we had a dog recently with a immune-mediated polyarthritis, um, a French Mastiff, and the ketamine, the low-dose ketamine injection was the only thing that actually got on top of her pain in the end. Yeah, those cases can be really painful. We 
the companies in the hospital, we give them opioids and we have to give them so much in the way of opioids they're just sedated and regurgitating. So, yeah, yeah I go in early with ketamine. Actually, lidocaine infusions are a really good one for those guys as well. Yeah, she was um, she was a really difficult patient trying to keep any IV catheters in. So okay. <laughs> um, that's where, yeah, I mean, obviously early on, but um, the subcut ketamine was what kind of got her over the line in the end. So that was good. I put some notes on the pain update section of the Zero Pain website. I've got a couple of posts there on subcutaneous ketamine and ketamine infusions. That's got pretty much everything I know about subcutaneous ketamine. And just going back to your cat, um, I've got one patient at the moment. He's an 18-year-old cat. I've probably been treating him for nearly six months now, and he came to me having had the conversation with his vet that, well, I think this is probably close to the end, not sure what, what more we can do. He has prednisolone for inflammatory bowel disease, so non-steroidals aren't an option in him. And subcutaneous ketamine just works really well. But I use, because he's one of those older skinny cats with really no muscle mass, I use 0.3 mg per kg in him. Um, so maybe in those really crusty old cats um, that you think, or are you a little bit dehydrated? Um, I would just drop that dose down a little bit and then. That's good to know. Excellent. I guess, how does it work? Does it really make sense giving us a really, really tiny dose of a subcutaneous drug? I guess this is just us testing the limits as to how low we go with ketamine. We're really familiar with our anaesthetic dose of ketamine, which of course came from human medicine to start with, we know that we need to give three to five mg per kg of ketamine to immobilize a dog, a cat, a horse, well, a little bit less for a horse maybe. But this is really testing the kind of lower limits at which we provide analgesia as opposed to anesthesia. And I think that that's the big thing about subcut ketamine. It's just that low dose. Okay, is it a depot? Does it sit there for a while? Does it leach out of the subcutaneous space really slowly? We don't really have answers to those questions because nobody's done the pharmacokinetic studies. So it's one of those things that's very early on. Again, it's on my list of things to do as a, a study. That would be a super study. I'd love to see the results for then. 